This is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, we wouldn't play it like that. We're not actors here. Well, actually, I guess both of us have been actors in our lives, but we're not acting here. How do you know? Well, I don't know. Do you have a confession? You want to make? You've been acting this whole time. Acting your whole life. <laughs> all right. Well, yes. Life is an illusion, and we're all just moving through it, but also being very real as best we can. Spoken like people living in an Aquarius season. Oh my gosh, it is so Aquarius season right now. I feel like I've just been like noticing every single Aquarian thing. Like everyone just speaking Aquarianish. Well, acting Aquarianish, yeah, very Aquarianish to be noticing because Aquarius is about the patterns, yeah, and seeing the patterns. So this is a very special episode. You might recall that we did this last year. It's a live call-in show, except we record it and then we post it. So it's not really live <laughs> for you, perhaps, but it's live for us when people call and we have to engage with them in real time. Yeah, and I've always just been obsessed with radio shows, like back in the day, like. I just loved like listening to, I forgot the guy's name, you know it, Art. Art Bell, Ghost to Art Ghost. Art Bell, Ghost to Coast, yeah. like Coast to Ghost. Was it Coast to Ghost? Most to Coast. <laughs> I don't know, people would like call in and like talk about their alien sightings and shit. Yeah, I just always found like, that like so fun and interesting and then. Their hauntings. Yeah, from that to like, you know, when I would like listen to the easy listening station late at night and you know, the the people would call in to do song dedications. I just love that interaction. Did you ever dedicate a song to anybody? Oh my God, multiple times. Oh, wow. I yeah. wasn't expecting that. Yeah. It was always so exciting to be like, Angel's sending this out to Mindy, letting her know that Who the hell's she's Mindy? loved. She was my best friend in junior oh, high. Oh, okay. That's fine. And that you're going to get through these tough times because she, you know, probably like gotten broken up with by like some stupid 13 year old. But then I, you know, sent like the Jets make it real to like make her feel better. I don't know that song. It's all right. You don't have to. Great. Sing a little bit of it. I don't remember. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Anyhow, uh, let's just do a quick check in, though, so that we can get to the fun part. Um, and the first fun part being our dose of reality check-in with uh, histor uh, Housewives historian Shawnee Mims. Yes, Housewives historian Shawnee Mims will be joining us shortly. Uh, but yeah, how are you doing? What's going on in your life, in your heart, in your head, in your spirit, in your loins? Uh, I mean, we don't have enough time to cover all of those. Okay, so just choose one. Uh, I'll choose my heart... Uh, and my heart feels good. I feel like I had a bit of a cleansing, like an emotional cleansing over the weekend. It was really, really nice. What sort of cleansing? I just think that I had been holding on to so much emotion and wasn't really aware of it. And we had this really great Aquarius new moon breathwork session over this past weekend. Thanks to all the folks who showed up for the breathwork circle. And I felt all of your lovely healing energy and really got a healing myself and just like cried in ways that I haven't. It was like some of that almost like silent crying, you know, like, like I was just like kind of like almost like physically having to go through the motions of it, but I wasn't really releasing tears. It was just like the feeling, like the release of the actual emotion of sadness, some anger, 
Like I was just like letting it come up and come out. And it just felt so, so good. And the greatest realization that I had, or it wasn't so much a realization because I, I think it's something I know, but it felt like a deepening uh, of an understanding around my relationship with my body and just like how hard it is for me to get comfortable feeling alive in my body that I can spend a lot of time uh, just overwhelmed by my fear of losing my body, whether it's through like illness or just feeling safe in the world that I'm like, at some point throughout the day, like expelling this like energy around, oh my God, am I about to lose this thing? <laughs> this thing being my body. Um, and it's just like so much fear built up around like, just like past trauma that I had around like safety and protection. And I think on top of that, just seeing a lot of people um, suffer physical ailments and and I think like I just haven't really like gotten in touch or what this breath work did was push me to get in touch with like how much I allow that feared mentality to keep me from fully engaging in my life and getting excited and invigorated and just feeling inside of my body so that I can fully experience life. So uh, that's been my... Uh, shift and i am grateful that i have been uh, pushing myself to breathe further into that and just further breathe into being alive and happy to be so well that's beautiful i mean breathwork is such an amazing practice and it can be scary to be in a body so i'm sure you're not the only one feeling that way yeah for sure what about you i saw a fox mm. Go on. Like an actual fox, a red-faced fox. No, I figured you meant like a real one. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I already know the story. So. I was uh, hiking last weekend, and I was feeling very sad and missing my mom and just like doing a weepy wander through the hills of Glendale. And I do this like six-mile loop, but because I was like so weepy, I hadn't been going at my usual pace, and I realized like I wasn't going to have time to do the full loop. So I did something which I rarely do, which is that I turned around and I went back down. And almost as soon as I turned around, all of a sudden, this fox like jumped over the trail. And it was like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. I've never seen a fox before. And at first I was like, is that a dog off leash? And then I was like, is that a coyote? And then I was like, oh my God, no, that was a fox. And I just stood there and I just like cried. And foxes are... I don't know, they have like a real power to them and they're so much more feline than I thought. Like they're very cat-like and they have like a grace. And I don't know, I've just been thinking about that fox and why that fox was visiting me. And I was just thinking how when nature finds you, you know that you're in the right place. And I've just been challenged in my grief and feeling disconnected and having a whole host of existential crises and seeing that fox was just really good medicine for me. So thank you, fox, wherever you are. I hope you're safe. I hope you're okay. No, sweet little fox. Did you anthropomorphize it with a name? No, it was just the fox. 
I just had a bunch of names flip through. Yeah, what? I just want to always name them. What were you going to name the fox? Castillo. Oh, my God, Castillo. What a great name for that fox. Um, all right, everybody. Well, I think we are just going to keep on rolling because we want to have a super dose of reality with Housewives Historian Shawnee Mims. And then we want to take your calls. Yes. Yeah, so hopefully you'll be out there. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's get into a dose, dose of reality. reality. So we are here in the uh, Spirit Suite with Shawnee Mims, as we said, resident housewives historian. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. We had so much fun doing our dose of reality with you last time, and people seem to really enjoy it. Well, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. I have a very good friend who you know, Shawnee Mims, Nick Corey, who just recently watched three episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for the first time from the most recent season. He just watched those three episodes without any context. And I had to explain to him like the deep, deep time context of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And he was like, wow. He was like, you really know your stuff. And I was like, honestly, (laughs) compared to Shawnee Mims, it's just a drop in the bucket. I was like, if you have questions, you go to Shawnee Mims because she reads the blog, she listens to the podcast, like she has all the context you need. You're not wrong. It's sad, so, but you're not we're wrong. so grateful to have you here to to give your teachings to yes. the world. So what Angel and I did is we listed how many things, babe? Well, there are five uh, unscripted series. Five unscripted series that we have all been mm-hmm, watching. Mm-hmm. And we're going to let Shawnee pick a number, and that's the first one we'll talk about because we probably won't get to all of them. Yeah, we can't talk about all of them. Okay. So, Shawnee, pick a number between... One and five. Three. All right, three. So we're going to talk about the current season of Below Deck. Oh, okay. So my first question is, where do you stand on the drama that is Camille? Oh my goodness. Um, she's a terror, but also, <laughs> is her name Alyssa? Yes. Yes. She's also a terror. And I don't necessarily think getting rid of Camille is going to make that interior crew better. But that Camille, if I was going to pick one, that's the one I would send home because she is lazy AF and, uh, and a monster. And just for our listeners who don't watch Below Deck, Camille and Alyssa are both stewardesses on the St. David yacht, which is currently uh, in the beautiful waters of St. Lucia. And Camille used to be married to a football player? Dated. Dating a football player? Dated in college, I think, yes. And he like cheated on her and left her broken. And so she's just like run away to join the circus. And by the circus, I mean yachting. But she has no work ethic. And Alyssa is like a legit yachty. Like she works hard. She's like coming up in the ranks. Like she wants the lifestyle that yachting affords. And the two of them have been butting heads because Alyssa outranks Camille. But Camille does no work and has just kind of one of the worst attitudes I've ever seen on television. And her bad attitude triggers Alyssa to memories of her father, which is also a whole nother thing. Yeah, so really it's not a good match. Dots, not a good match. Not a good match. No, the, when that deep daddy trauma arises, oh my there's gosh. nothing you can do. No, there's nothing you can do. And you accept let the tears fall. Um, how excited were you when Captain Sandy 
came in and stepped in for uh, Captain Lee, who is suffering a neurological injury. Um, Are you not a Captain Sandy fan? No, I am. I was excited once again with feeling, darling. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to lie here. This is a safe space. She's not my favorite. I think it was because there was a personnel issue. I was like, "Mm, Sandy might not be the right person because she's like a micromanager. I don't always like how she deals with people. So in that situation, knowing that Camille and Alyssa was about to like go off, I don't know that she's my like first captain pick, but definitely for TV's sake, she's the best. She's the best pick in that situation because she's going to make it 10 times worse, 10 times better, all of it. Whereas Captain Lee probably would have been like, get off, you know, and it would have just been done and simple. I literally screamed myself hoarse when I saw (laughs) Captain Sandy come on that screen. I was so excited. Well, I'm proud that I tricked you so well. Yeah, because I had talked to Shawnee the day before and I was like, yeah, we're watching the the new Below Deck. We're so excited. We know there's going to be a new captain. And I was like, an angel thinks it's going to be Sandy. And Shawnee, I think you were like, oh, interesting. And I knew that (laughs) Shawnee was up to date because we were a little behind. And I was like, oh, I was like, I guess it's not Captain Sandy. So then when she did come on screen, I was double surprised because Shawnee had thrown me off the scent. She's a Leo. She's a performer. I guess that's true. Shawnee is a consummate actress. I do what I can. Uh, St. Lucia looks gorgeous. I would love to go. It does. It does. Angel asked me a question and I gave terrible answers to it, but I want to ask you the same question, which is if you were on a yacht, what would your two theme dinners be? Oh, like theme as in um like ambiance theme or food theme you know that's a good qualifying question that i should have asked before i answered poorly last night in the safety <laughs> or of i should our have living been room. specific because i didn't i meant cuisine but then brandon oh. offered ambiance themes so yeah. either either whichever is more interesting or you. both i i think it would have to depend it would for me it would depend on where the yacht was right um but i guess i would probably I mean, you're by the ocean, so seafood is probably a safe bet and probably paired with whatever locale you're in. So, you know, like a St. Lucian, is that what it is? Are they St. Lucian? Like, whatever, you know, themed like that, like a Mediterranean seafoody kind of thing or wherever wherever the yacht was. That would be one. Mm -hmm. And the other, honestly, I would probably ask the chef what they felt the most comfortable with and to give us your best of what your best is. Oh, I like that. That's a really smart response. Now that I'm thinking about it ambiance wise, I would want an astrology themed party. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting to see how they pull that together. It'd be fun. I asked for a share themed dinner, which oh. would which would be hard to do, but also But not really. Not that hard. Not really. Yeah. Like do an Italian course from Moonstruck. Oh, do thinking even seafood from mermaids. Oh, wow. oh. Do okay. Okay. um I don't know, what else? What do you like serve from burlesque? Not Christina Aguilera's Ooh. acting performance. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Um, okay, another number between one and five. Two. Two, Drag Race. Okay, 
I are just you all caught, caught up. All caught up. You know, you give who, me a mission to catch up on a TV show and I'm there. Yes. Okay. So who, as of now, who are your top three queens? Okay. I knew you were going to ask me this and I, the one just fell out of my head, the name. Um, Describe them. Um, the Duck Walk, obviously. Anitra. Anitra. We Anitra. love a Vegas queen, yes. Um, and let's see. Um, who who had the 40 inches, maybe not 40 inches? Lux. Lux. Too, yeah. many, too many words in that name. There's yes. three names. They don't go together. What is it like? Lux Hollywood Supreme? I don't know. It's, it's not that, but it's, it's something okay, like that. That is a good drag name, Lux Hollywood Supreme. <laughs> but whatever. What? What? What's her name? It's like Lux Milan. I don't even. I just call her Lux. I could be into Lux. I think. Yeah. I think it's hard because they don't talk about each themselves enough. Like. I've, I've had a hard time like connecting who's who all the time. Tell me who you like. I will tell you that might help me. Well, at this moment, I, yes, definitely Anitra. I really love. Um, I do really uh, love Mistress. Oh, yes, yes. I'm loving her. Lux Noir London is Lux the Noir name. London. Lux Noir, Noir London, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed Noir in a million years. No. Ditto. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, maybe I should look at a cast list. Um, but Lucy Laduca really brought oh, it with that Joan th Rivers. With the Joan Rivers, that's, I was just going to say. And now, is Lucy Laduca the construction worker? Oh, is she? Yeah, she's a construction worker. Okay, wow. yes. Lucy, yes. Top three for me, for sure. Yeah. That Joan Rivers impersonation Amazing. was spectacular. I think Joan Rivers might have come up from the dead, like come out <laughs> of her grave to be like, brava. Like, totally. Yes. That I hope, I hope like Melissa Rivers reaches out to, you know, wouldn't that mm, be amazing? That would be so nice. I would love Because it was so good. It was so yeah, good. It was really good. And it wasn't even just a great impression. It was a great overall Snatch Game performance. Like, you know, I think... I gotta say that I bet that that was RuPaul's top five snatch game performances, like what they would say. She was mm. so prepared to like yes, to take any bait that was given and then like mm -hmm. run with it with jokes and stories and to watch yes. how she was respond. Like it was masterful. Yes. And now this, uh, my my other question is potentially controversial. Oh, we love a controversy. At least in regards to gay Twitter, as I was reading. Oh, uh-huh. Did you think that the twins did a good job or a poor job in that lip sync for their life, like collectively? Oh, I think they did a mediocre job. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. not impressed with either of them. And I was like, I don't even know who you bothered sending home or keeping like whatever. That's sort of how I felt. Um, I, I thought they did a great job for oh, the summer camp talent show. Oh, 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 ouch. Okay. Like that was. She's mean. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I just thought it was so amateur. 
Well, I mean, they are amateur. That's exactly. And that's what everybody said. And they weren't wrong. And I mean, while I think there is room for Instagram, TikTok, drag queens, I think that they need a minute to cook still. Like, they don't know who they are yet. It's, you know, it's just like on any, like, reality show when you get someone who's, like, 20 in, like, a competition reality show when they're 20. They don't know who they are. So. Yeah, I'd give them, like, another three to four in the oven myself. Three to four? Seven (laughs) to ten? (laughs) Totally. Um, All right. Um, One more. Yeah, we want to do one more. So give us one more number. Oh, I want to pick a good one. You can also just I mean, they're all you can good. also just say yeah. Or if you, want, you if there's one talk. that you're burning, yeah, let's talk about traders, traders, traders. Number one, number one. Oh, I was gonna say one, so it worked out. So the traders. I don't know yes. if everyone has out there has been watching the traders. I mean, if you haven't, you should be get on it. Yeah, it's true. All ten episodes dropped at once. Um, we did not expect to stay the whole time, but we did. I, I did, I did it in a day. Right. And, and I do feel, well, that's I'm insane. It's okay. That's not for anybody else. Shawnee has do. commitment and discipline that you can't even <laughs> begin to when it comes to reality television. Yes. Yes. Now, um, I don't want to spoil for people cause I do think oh, right. people who haven't seen it, but well then hit pause also cause there's no <laughs> way to talk about it. All right. Well, Maybe we can we come back talk around about something to else. But I would just say how thrilled were you to see Kate Chastain deliver uh, love of, the performance? Love of she my did. life. Love of my life. When she picked up that knife, and <laughs> it's a butter knife, everyone. Don't get nervous. She picked up yeah. the knife, looked at her reflection, and said, What did she say? Like, yes, still gorgeous. Like, yeah. I died. She's amazing. <laughs> If you don't know who Kate Chastain is, she was one of the original stewardesses on Below Deck, the original Below Deck. She Mm -hmm. was the chief stew. She's amazing. She's dry. She doesn't give an F ever about anything. And she's just the best. I've never seen anyone compete and not want to compete and do so well all at the same time. She's a hero. She's a Capricorn legend because she's on. playing like oh, a bigger game. Is. And yes. the game she's playing is not like the game that everyone else is no. playing. It's called the game of like. It's the game of life and she's winning. She's winning. She's a thousand percent. Yeah. She's amazing. And so amazing. And Alan Cumming is really what kept us watching Traders for so long because his outfits and his Those commitment. Outfits, everything. I mean, I don't think. There are costumes in Emmys. I don't know if that would could consider, but it should win. It was amazing. Everything, every look, amazing, amazing. Yeah. I mean, he he wore out a tartan. That is for sure. (laughs) I love that. (sighs) All right, Shani. Well, before we start bringing in callers, and will you hang out with us as we bring in callers? Of course. Will uh, Will you tell us just like. What are your thoughts on the landscape of reality television right now? Like, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are your reflections? Well, I have to say, I feel like as much as I love it, um, I feel like Housewives is like, I feel like I hear the death now because Mm. I think, unfortunately, 
it's not, I don't think you can cast a new interesting cast because I think everybody has watched it. Everybody, every woman that wants to be on it knows which housewife they want to be like or want to be seen like. So they act like that person. And I don't think you could get another authentic cast no matter how hard you try. So sadly, I feel like it's a little bit over. I mean, it will continue on and on and on and on. But in my heart, I feel like it's over. Will I stop watching? Obviously not. Never. But I just I feel like it's the beginning of the end of the housewife. You heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) Beginning of the end. Um, All right. right. Well, well, thank you very much. I feel like we should just be doing this more often. So, well, you know where to find me. Hello, caller, Alex. Welcome to the Spiritual Gaze Call and Extravaganza. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? We're, we're good. good. You're our first caller. You were right on time, so you must have Virgo placements because you really showed up at the right time. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> I'm very neurodivergent, and so sometimes if I'm not early, I will just space out and I'll be like, totally. <laughs> You're like, I'm doing something else now. Yeah, I get that. And you'll notice Shawnee Mims, who's our resident housewives historian and good friend, is joining us here in the call. And today we just uh, did a little uh, reality TV download with Shawnee. <laughs> Fun. And where are you calling us from? Uh, Sacramento. Oh, we love Sacramento. Really? Mm-hmm. What do you love? Yeah. About it? The people that come from there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're kind of one of the only good things about it. Yeah, I have only actually been to Sacramento once because I went to college at uh, SF State and uh, my roommate and I at the time were incredibly high at like 6 p.m. And he was like, have you ever seen the state capitol? And I was like, no, never. And he was like, me either, let's go. And we just got in the car and drove up to Sacramento. <laughs> we drove to the state capitol, ran up the stairs, took a look at it and then we're like, cool. Let's go home. Let's <laughs> leave this place. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we were like, should we see if there's like a cool place to go for a drink? And we were like, I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> what sign are you? So I am a Taurus sun, rising in Capricorn moon. So oh. my question, I guess, would be off the top of your head, like, what has the universe been doing to me? Like all of the big <laughs> planets have just been like grinding my ass up in this meat grinder. Yeah. Like, what would you say off the top of your head? Like, I don't know. I mean, I was just going to say, I was like, okay, so Uranus on the sun, got it. Like Saturn on the moon, on the rising, got it. And Pluto on the moon, like, You've just been like pushed into change and growth and probably some loss, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it really feels like such intense spiritual boot camp to me, but it does also feel like it's pushing you to try and like root in to like what it is you really want, you know, and where it is you really want to be also, I would imagine. And also like rooting into your identity to some degree, right? Like if you've got that like Saturn Aquarius combination, 
Saturn will come in and be like, all right, what does not serve like our identity? And what have we, what, how have we been having to express um, in ways that aren't really us taking responsibility for our identity? And, you know, and so it's been like a spiritual boot camp, an identity boot camp, and then of course, like the emotion that comes with that Capricorn business. I mean, you're Cap Moon, you've been going through it. Yeah. But it's going to get better for us cap moons as Pluto leaves Capricorn and moves into Aquarius, which will create like different challenges for you with your Aquarius rising and me with my Aquarius sun. But I think like the moon is the most sensitive place in the chart. So when there are challenging planets around the moon, like Pluto, like Saturn, like Mars, you just feel it more. So I would say like, I think pretty much the worst is behind you and you've been ground down like it's like you're grinding a paste and now you're like okay it's this like super potent super flavorful paste you're like what am I going to cook with it so that would be like what I would kind of start to meditate on is like yeah like I've been essentialized but now I can put that essence into anything I desire Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah so yeah so just hold on (laughs) (laughs) it does feel as of like very recently especially um yeah the things are finally starting to to shift a little bit I mean they have been the whole time but it's been like okay things are getting better and then like loss and loss and loss and I've just been like oh my god what do you want from me but yeah it does feel like it's finally like starting to turn that Yeah, the fixed signs have been hammered of late, like the Taurus, the Aquarius, the Scorpio, the Leo, just because with Uranus in Taurus and Saturn in Aquarius, it just feels like it's coming at us from all sides. But come March, when Saturn moves into Pisces, I think the mutable steins are going to start to feel what we've been feeling, and we get a little bit of a relief. So yeah. Sorry, Pisces, Gemini, Virgo, <laughs> Sagittarius, but y'all, y'all will be able to deal with it. Yeah, and I would add, like, you know, that Jupiter through Aries will hopefully, like, offer some optimism for you, you know, will help kind of, like, give your mind a little bit of, like, it's going to be okay, I'm going to do this, you know, so hopefully it helps, like, boost some of that feeling for you my mercury and venus are both in aries so yeah hopefully okay cool i'll get the juice there yeah yeah so so i feel like some good times ahead for you um all right love well it was great connecting with you yeah nice to meet you Um, alex you know what you're welcome to just hang out if you'd like we'll mute you and you can hang out as we bring other people in or you can bounce whatever you feel oh um do you mind if i hang out and wash my dishes while I hang out and wash your dishes yeah Yeah. maybe just you know um you know turn your camera off so that we don't uh distract anybody for sure (laughs) yay thanks for calling in Alex nice to meet you good to meet you guys too (laughs) all right shall we bring in Salida next Salida Salida you're on with the spiritual gaze I know it's probably jarring because you're just like sitting there in that waiting room and then all of a sudden you're like, it's showtime. (laughs) (laughs) And as you'll see, there are some people here we're doing just kind of like an old school talk show approach where, you know, our former guests are invited to just sit on the couch and hang out or (laughs) or not, depending on what they have to do. So into it. (laughs) How are you? Just peachy. I mean, it's Monday, Moon Day. I got my full spiritual gaze dose today. 
all my look aheads. Yes. Been doing, you know, generally doing witchy magical things in here all day, just like getting ready, you know. Working with that Pisces moon. Yes. You know what I always forget about the Pisces moon is when I look forward to it, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like so intuitive and dreamy and psychic. And then I always forget that it also might be sad. Oh, yeah. I was like, why am I so sad today? I was like, oh, right. Soak in the melancholy. You've got to just go full nostalgia, full sepia toned, you know, carpenters on the soundtrack, like. (laughs) You know, you got to let it out. It's um, my youngest daughter calls breathwork an emotional cucumber, um, meaning (laughs) it's good for emotional releases uh, Mm. because she thinks about vegetables and cucumbers as, you know, releases for other things. Um, And so she, uh, so yeah, I think of the Pisces moon as like an emotional enema, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I like that. An emotional enema. Or cucumber, if it's a family show. (laughs) It's not, even (laughs) though we might have, even though I know children listen. (laughs) Do you have a a question, an insight, a complaint? What were you wanting to share with us here today? Yes, I would like to know. Yes, thank you. A complaint. (laughs) Why why is the universe coming for me? Seems to be a consensus. My Mars is in Gemini. Okay. My Venus is in Leo. My Jupiter is in Aries. It's just been a grind-o-rama retrograde shenanigans. And I'm just wondering, like, what's it all mean? Why am I sort of getting in getting the full filth of like every retrograde in the in the sky? You know, I was just going to say, because the universe loves you, you know, and that's how the universe shows their love. But I'm going to pull a card for you, I think, before we before we go into the astro of it. Okay, great. I was going to give an obnoxious wellness practitioner response of like, well, because you because your soul chose this. Oh, don't do that. No, (laughs) no victim blaming based on the soul's decisions, please. That is Straight slut shaming angel. And I won't stand for it. Well, from one slut to another. Honey. Okay. Unfortunately, the tarot almost agrees with Angel because I just pulled the strength card. So I'm saying the universe is coming for you to remind you how strong you are because you don't know that you can lift a car off a baby until you have to. And right now the universe just wants to remind you that you have some big muscles, you have a strong spiritual core, and the only way to know that you got it is to have to use it. It feels to me like the universe is saying to me, I would like for you to consider your choices of the last lifetime and go look out the window and reflect (laughs) (laughs) all these retrogrades, just revisiting, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's strength too, right? It like takes us a step beyond the ego. It says there has to be more to life than this. So like do look out the window as a means of looking inwards and, and things are going to change. All the planets are direct as of Sunday. And so maybe a little less window gazing and a little more kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, that sounds delightful. The view from your office window is gorgeous. You shared that recently. And I was like, oh, Salida, I like that view of like the train tracks and the mountains and the whole thing 
Yes, honey. When we got our new job, we went from an office on the 10th floor to an office on the 25th floor, right by Union Station, because that's where the headquarters are. And so, um, but the best part of being up that high is that peregrine falcons come and kick it up there because that's where they can launch their pigeon killing battleships from and there was a falcon that came up and just kicked it for maybe three hours on the ledge on the ledge i couldn't i'm still thinking about it shawnee do you have an emotional reaction to falcons (laughs) i I feel like shawnee shawnee and falcons have some past life karma no thank you to all of our winged friends sorry oh right shawnee and birds in general I feel you, Shawnee. I generally think they're kind of gross. There was this little kid who grew up across the street from me and we had a bunch of bamboo and a creek and he got really sick and ended up in the hospital for months. And the doctor said it was because he was playing in the bamboo that had all the bird droppings in it. And birds kind of, they're just like little tiny dinosaurs up there. And I feel judged by them and they feel kind of, kind of, Weird, but I've I've been working on that because I feel like, <laughs> you know, that's one of my lessons. Well, see, you're at least uh, acknowledging your lessons, Angel. working with them. Stop. You know, they say what resist, what you resist persists. persists. And this is true for Shawnee and birds, because when we were in New York with Shawnee, the pigeons would swarm us all the time. And I literally would say, Shawnee, this is your fault because you're that the one with the bird shaming. karma. Yes, my grand would always say, well, they know who loves them, really. Because she had birds. She had chickens, she had doves, she had all kinds of birds. And I would just be like, please make them go away. And she's like, they know who loves them. Yeah, that's there you go. It's just love. You know, I'll share in a vulnerable moment that Angel was showing me the Instagram of like an old high school friend who has like chickens. And there was this like beautiful and like very sad, speaking of Pisces Moon, tribute video to his chicken noodles who recently passed away. And that chicken was so cute and it really reframed for me that I can no longer eat chicken. And I was like, I'm not going to eat chicken anymore because I looked at that chicken noodles and I was like, that chicken has a soul and I'm not going to be a soul eater. So I'm back on the pescatarian train. Now, someone's going to ask me, does that mean you don't think that fish have souls? And the answer is yes. (laughs) No. Okay. No, I do believe Definitely octopus, octopi. Oh, I will never eat an octopus. I, know. I don't know if shrimps have souls, though. I mean, they probably do. I'm I just mean, gonna. Everything con- has a soul. I know everything is sacred, and that's yeah. why I can't give up a shrimp cocktail. Yeah, isn't that sacred. what we're supposed to be doing in our animus practice? Thank you. I know it is. I Thank know, you. but it's I feel. Hard. But I feel you on that. I mean, some of those things have really short lifespans, so right. you know. Yeah. Ashes to ashes, dust to my plate. (laughs) Wow. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, To me, it's more about like, yeah, do they have an emotional life? Like, am I robbing them of their emotional life? And I'm sure, you know, anyone who's like a very, very strong vegetarian or vegan is listening to me like, wow, you're disgusting. Because they all have an emotional life. Because, yeah, everyone and everything has an emotional life. Sure. But I don't know. Does a shrimp have an emotional life? I don't know. 
Yeah, that's not for us to know. Some mysteries of the universe must remain so. But I will say, have y'all seen those videos of octopus punching fish just for no reason out of spite? 100%. That's an emotional life, and I can relate to it. Oh, octopi will inherit the earth, and I want to be held in high regard. So I'm not, sure. I haven't eaten an octopus in a very long time. Agree Same. to that. Same. Okay, but getting back to your astrology, I mean, look, we know these are all cycles, um, you know, so I'm always about like, if we have like a cycle to look back on and help us reflect on what's going on, like the Jupiter cycle, you know, we can look back to yeah. 12 years and be like, all right, well, what was coming up then? That's in some way mirroring what's coming up now. And what didn't I, you know, like that octopus punch through, you know, that I need to maybe punch through given the context of, of the scenario this time around. So that always like helps me get through these things. I'm like, all right, well, what's the larger cycle that's going on and how do I connect it to that? Cause it helps me to like see the terrible in yeah. a, in a bigger way. Well, the Jupiterian, so I'm a Pisces rising. So I think that means either Neptune or Pisces or Jupiter is a, a, my chart ruler, right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah, I mean, one way of, of looking at the chart ruler is to take the ruling planet of the rising sign. So yeah, Jupiter would definitely be important for you. What's the uh, other way? The other way is to kind of look at all of the placements and see like which planet calls the most shots. Like in my chart, for example, like pretty much everybody ends up answering to, to my Saturn and Scorpio who answers mm -hmm. to my Mars and Aries. And so like Mars and Aries pretty much like ev eventually everybody ends up having to like be gate checked through him. Um, but sometimes you can also look to just like the planet that's at the top of the chart closest to the midheaven as the ruling planet. And sometimes you just look to the ruling planet of the sun. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But I definitely think ruler of the ascendant is an important uh, planet for sure. Well, like legend Shani Mims, I have a lot of placements in Libra including my son, uh, and then my moon is in Taurus, but the sun, my, so my son is answering to my Venus, which is in Leo answering to my son, which is in Libra, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And forever and ever. Amen. So it's either Venus or Jupiter, but, but what I was getting to is when I've looked back at those Jupiterian cycles in my own life, there is always a great clearing and a great gift in, and they, and it, you know, to your point, right. The clearing usually precedes the gift in those, yeah previous kind of touch points where Jupiter has shown up, you know, where Jupiter has returned. Yeah. Cause you need a place to put the gift once you get it. I know, but maybe I could just gain a little weight, <laughs> eat a little bit more ice cream and put it there. And it oh, that's on you. Have to be at clearing. <laughs> well, that is in your hands. Yes. How do I make my soul bigger so that I don't have to have all that painful clearing? Mm-hmm. Mm Breathwork, emotional cucumbers. Emotional totally. cucumbers. Love that. Coming soon to a cartoon network near you. <laughs> the emotional cucumbers. It's just like group therapy with cucumbers. Yeah. I feel like that was like much more charming. I'm glad she doesn't know about prunes. I'm glad she didn't call it like emotional prunes. Totally. Emotional <laughs> cucumbers is so much more charming. It is, yes. Um, well, Salida, you're more than welcome to hang out with yeah, uh, I'd love to. just hang out on the on the proverbial spiritual case couch as we bring in some more folks. Yeah, and we're just going to bring in the few folks who are hanging out in the waiting room so we don't lose any of them. Yeah, let's just do it. Everyone can just hang out.
So Anna, did you have a question for us specifically? Yeah. Hi. How are Hi. you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty well. Yeah, we're enjoying Great. this Pisces moon. Yes, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. So um, my question, the thing that's kind of front of mind is um, I interviewed for a new job today and I don't know if I'm going to get it or not, um, but it's it would basically be moving from um, a direct service kind of role to doing uh, something that's more like programming and um, applying a grant to a project and it would be more macro level and um, I don't know if I'm going to get it, uh, but even if I get it, I don't know if I want to say yes, because my life would really change. Um, right now, I have um, some flexibility for creative projects and um, some unstructured time, and um, I really kind of like my situation right now, um, but it would be a really great also move for me. And I, I just, I think I feel in general like a, a shift in myself uh, right now, um, like a new stage or new space that I'm entering into. And I think I'm just curious about that and how the possibilities of either getting or not or saying yes to or saying no to this job might fit into that. I mean, that sounds like a tarot question to me. And to me, it kind of sounds like a crossroads spread where like we can just pull a card for, or maybe even two, like, what does it look like if you take the job? And pull a couple cards like what does it look like if you don't so you understand a little bit more like the landscape of the road forwards because sometimes we think like we know what we're getting into with something and the tarot goes like oh you think you know but you really have no idea so does that sound good to you yeah it sounds perfect Thank okay you. cool oh okay so the two cards if you take the job is nine of wands and ten of pentacles so it's definitely more money i would imagine it definitely like changes lifestyle a little bit which is nice but it's also the long hard road right like nine of wands is definitely something we have to work at so i think just like being aware that it's going to challenge you just in terms of like your energy and needing to find a sustainable way to approach it but it also like ten of pentacles isn't just like a bigger check it's also like more magic, more expansion. Uh, so there's something about this new job that might just like get you more excited, like it's using more of you. So these are like, I would say if they offer it, that feels pretty juicy, but just know like, you know, it doesn't always correspond that a bigger paycheck means more work, but this time it will. Like you're, you're elevating in all ways. That having been said, I haven't looked at the other two cards, so who knows, maybe they'll be even juicier. Interesting. So it's the two of cups, which means that there's another way to like be falling in love with yourself and falling in love with your life. And maybe your attention is best placed somewhere else. And maybe this job, if you take it, is going to be a little more consuming than you want it to be because it will become the center of your life. And then also the ten of wands reversed, which to me is like prioritizing yourself in such a way that you don't feel like you have to be everything to everybody. And so you might ask yourself, like, why do I feel compelled to like be taking a bigger job, working harder, managing more people, things of that nature? Like, is it something I genuinely want to do? Or is it just, you know, because capitalism tells me I got to make more money and be a bigger boss and wear the big pants, things of that nature. So interesting to not take the job is not a bad thing. I think it gives you a little bit more freedom and flexibility and lets you maybe simplify. Um, but taking the job also seems like it would give you give you some magic and give you some power too. I feel like they're going to offer it to you, Anna. 
That's really nice. I, I hope they do, because even if I say no, I want to be the one to say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to be liked. Um, but I, yeah, I, what you just said, you know, with those cards is pretty much, that is the crossroads. That's what I've been feeling. So that's cool to see that reflected. I feel, yeah, validated and confirmed. Yeah. And I always try to remind myself that when I say yes to a job, it's not like, this is the job for the rest of my life. You know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, I have to say, I'm going to say yes to this thing. And then this is going to be me forever. And it's like, no, it is a passageway. So you just have to remember that part of it too. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's very easy to be all or nothing about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're just being present to the moment. Right. Um, but I'm sure you can look back on past you know, chapters of your life and be like, oh, wow, I thought that was going to be the defining thing about me. And that ended. So, um, so if there are reservations about, oh, no, what's it going to mean? You know, what's, what's it mean about me? Or what does it say about me if I do this? You know, just says that you're expanding just the history of you and what, yeah. and what you're, what you're moving through and what you're going to learn from it. Thank you. Yeah, that takes some pressure off, I think. Keep us posted. We want to know what happens. Yeah. I will. So what is up, James? How's it going? Hi, how are you guys? Good to We're see good. You. We're having fun. Yeah, so um, I have kind of a, a general astrological question, but I'm all, I'd also love a card, a, a tarot card pulled, and I can talk about myself. <clears throat> add, yeah, add, we can do both. So <laughs> let me... Um, let me First, ask my so I went to a, a new moon ritual on um, Saturday night in a magic store, which was very nice. But there was a lot of talk about Aquarius, right? We're moving in because the new moon coincided with the sun moving into Aquarius. So there's a lot of talk of Aquarius, and there was I, I'm just interested what you guys. There seems to be two camps. There's Aquarius is ruled by Saturn, and there's Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. And I'm just curious. I mean, I see them both. And I'm just curious what you all think, or if if you also see them both like me, or is is are you firmly in one camp or the, or the other? It's ruled by Jupiter, James. <laughs> Don't listen to anyone else. Expansion. <laughs> no, you're our resident Aquarius. What is where do you land on that? I mean, listen. It just depends on if you're a traditional astrologer or a contemporary astrologer. They both make sense as rulers of Aquarius. When I look at a chart, I'm looking at both of them. As an Aquarius, Saturn is Saturn is holding me accountable and I can't escape it. And I wish that Uranus were having more of an effect. It might just be though that my Saturn's in Scorpio and so it's hard for me to escape that you know, Scorpionic Saturn. But I think at my heart, I am a little bit of a traditionalist. And so I do think that Saturn teaches us in Aquarius different lessons than Saturn teaches us as the ruling planet of Capricorn. So I don't think you can bypass Saturn because whenever you try to bypass Saturn, he ends up just like really fucking you over. Sure. So I welcome and embrace Saturn and say, teach me about how to innovate and how to take responsibility for the future, which is very Aquarian. But I also think that Aquarius thwarts convention and is full of inspiration and surprise and when we discovered uranus as a planet it makes perfect sense as the ruler of aquarius there's no other sign that i think i would give uranus over to but i think it's 
I think, unfortunately, it's got to be both. Like, you can't just have one or the other. And you certainly can't have it without Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I am a bit, I lean a bit more into the more modern ruler. Like, I like the Uranus vibe. I, well, I, I think. I, I, so I'm Aquarius rising, and I feel okay. I have a lot more kinship to, to Uranus than. <laughs> Don't cut this up and put it in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. We promise. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think when I think of Aquarians, my mother, my husband, my best girlfriend, like I think of them in, you know, and all of their wacky, insightful, creative, inspired nature. Like I don't see them as like having a bit of a hard structured nature but i think that's how we experience it so maybe that's the two sides is mm. that like aquarians shine uranus as a ruling planet and experience saturn but salita disagrees salita knows some saturnian aquarians huh well i'm just thinking back <laughs> to astro club when because i listened to the recording when you were discussing how brandon loves to uh, get in a fight, not in a fight, but loves to be a contrarian, right? Loves to, oh, yes. right? And I sort of, I feel like that is somewhat Saturnian in the way it comes across because an Aquarian will just be like out in the universe, right? Drifting in the multiverse and then hear somebody's opinion that they disagree with and be like, I'm sorry, pardon. I need to assert the correct opinion into this discussion. And I feel as though that mm. is a Saturnian kind of vibe. Angel, why do you think you're you're surrounded by Aquarians? Yeah, why are you besieged by Aquarians? Are you missing air in your chart? I have no air in my chart. No air. Well, I have Pluto and Libra. So yes, I guess there is that. But other than that, yeah. My midheaven is Aquarius. So I guess I have a very purpose-driven life and all these people are here to like pull me toward my purpose, maybe. I don't know. Every day. Every day. Just pulling you towards that purpose. Your soul yes. chose it? Is that what you're you saying? <laughs> I actually was going to say that because my soul chose it. <laughs> so James, I hope that answers your question to some yes, degree. Thank you. Will, you. will you pull a card for me? Too? Is that too much to ask? 100%. No, we'd love to. Do you have a particular question or you just want you just want a card to give you um, to give you some get up and go? Without saying too much, I feel like mm -hmm. my relationship is at a bit of a crossroads. Um, so would be curious what the what your tarot deck because my tarot deck has a lot to say about it. And sometimes when we're pulling cards for those types of very vulnerable, intimate things, we don't entirely want to read them the same every time, <laughs> at least in my experience. Oh, that means something different today right, right. than it ever has, ever. So I pulled the Eight of Wands reversed, which is to me about the dynamic tension between like wanting something to move forwards and not feeling like it's moving forwards in the way or the time that you want it to move forwards. Okay, so it's about responding to people based on the potential that they contain, not necessarily responding people based in real time. So it's holding the high vision and understanding that you don't always get to be responsible for the timeline of things.
that yeah that seems to be <laughs> what's happening so yeah i mean i never like you know when we're talking about a relationship we're talking about the third person in the room because i really do believe that like relationships have a spirit that doesn't belong like our marriage is not mine or angels it's 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 community property literally and spiritually and so there's something about like the spirit of y'all's relationship is trying to go in a direction that the two of you no longer have control over and it's like a slow maybe more like subtle thing that's happening there but that it i don't know it's 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 trying to lead y'all somewhere and if you can just get your hands off the wands and see where they're trying to get you there might be something surprising there it, it also feels like aquarian energy vibes too right that's what i felt a lot with this relationship yeah so that's why i'm so interested in aquarius but thank you good to good to see you all so you're also in a relationship with an aquarius no 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 he's an aries <laughs> i'm a libra and he's an aries oh okay like yeah you're opposing all the time right, right so it's but you know opposites attract but at the same time when it's like fundamentally like i want this and you want that <laughs> it's like okay well where do we go from here yeah i think but i will say you know we have opposing moons angel and i and i literally credit the opposing moons is what's kept us together for so long so sometimes that like dynamic tension is is the string that holds it together and a ton of fun <laughs> angel's making a really sad face right now just yeah. everyone listening to this he deadpanned right <laughs> emphasis on the dead okay all right thanks james thank you um yeah i think antonio if you're there i believe you had a question around perfections is that correct oh is it my turn it is your turn hi hey guys uh yeah prolific years or um perfection years i mean um so just turned 27 back in november and so i believe that means the perfection year is in the fourth house and in my fourth house i have mars venus and jupiter so since i'm kind of more new to astrology i was wondering what you guys think of that like what is something you can expect throughout the year yeah no perfections are super cool so basically the idea is that there are 12 houses in the chart and every year of your life you are kind of expanding into one of them in zodiacal order so yeah you are correct 27 is the fourth house so what you're really looking for and this is one of my favorite terms in astrology is your time lord meaning like who is the ruling planet for you that year so what sign begins your fourth house sagittarius so you would have jupiter who is the ruling planet of sagittarius as your time lord for the year so in a fourth house perfection year which means when you are kind of expanding into the fourth house as you are and you do this every 12 years so every 12 years you come back so you know fourth house perfection years are 27 39 51 63 and 75 and I don't have that memorized. I'm looking at a graph here, uh, just to be totally transparent. Uh, so <laughs> those are years when whatever Jupiter's doing is of utmost impact to you. So this year, Jupiter's moving from Aries into Taurus. So that's really important for you to pay attention to. It's also the planet that, you know, as your time lord is helping you kind of track how you're moving through your life. Um, also, as you mentioned, again, what are those planets that you have in the, in the fourth house natally? Mars and Venus, and my entire chart is basically all fire. Oh, so I figured 
this might play a heavy role in there. Yeah, totally. So yeah, any planets in the perfection house are going to be woken up too, like in a in a pretty major way. Are they conjunct Mars and Venus? Yes. Okay, cool. So Mars and Venus conjunct is major charisma placement. So I would say like expansion, Jupiter, through your own natural charisma. And that charisma is probably in like teaching and seeking because it's Sagittarius, but doing it like from home or Angel taught me this. Fourth house isn't always just like your house, but it's about like feeling at home in. So I would say like this is a year to expand into feeling more at home in your charisma, whatever that natural charisma is. So where's your natal Jupiter? Because that's also something we have to consider with the perfection. Oh, um, also in the fourth house. Also in Sagittarius? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fucking lucky as hell. So you have Jupiter answering to themselves in Sagittarius. Uh-huh. So you got to think about like, what do I want to be learning? What new adventures or quests do I want to be taking on? Like, what are the, what are the things I want to chase that make me feel most alive? Okay. And that's really kind of like what you're, what you're devoting the year to. Cause when you're chasing something is when you like allow, like, you know, charisma is maybe a, a challenging concept, but the most charismatic people are the people that are like on the quest of their soul's purpose. You know, like I think of somebody like Grace Jones, you know what I mean? Like she's just naturally charismatic because she's chasing the thing that she knows brings her the most joy. So that's what you got to figure out for yourself is like how to unleash your charisma through chasing that thing. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, and perfections, perfections are super cool. Like understanding who your time Lord is can really just like help you understand. Cause not all planets have equal significance all the time. That would be very challenging. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, it's like having a dinner party and not every guest gets to speak all at once. It would just, that would just be a cacophony. And I don't think astrology is a cacophony. I think it's more systematic. So annual perfections are just a way to kind of move through that. Yeah. That makes sense. Curious just to ask you, Brand, do, do you feel like with a fourth house perfection year, it literally dials into, oh, am I literally at home where I am right now? Like, does it become a bit of a moving and or stabilizing your home environment too? Hmm, maybe. It's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, especially with Jupiter and Sagittarius, you might feel like you can only expand so much based on where you're living or based on where you are. So that might end up changing. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a hard and fast rule. Right. So something else to consider too, Antonio, with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the help. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're going to go to Laura Campbell, and then we're going to ask my best friend, Nick Corey, for an embarrassing story from me about about me from my past. I wasn't going to ask anything about perfections, but when in Rome, uh, just a quickie, qu- <laughs> I'm going to say a quickie question. Yeah, right. What happens if the house is interception, intercepted? So like it's a second um, house perfection year for me, and my Taurus is intercepted in my chart. Does that have any indication? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just try to visualize this. But Aries starts your second house. No, Leo starts my second house. Ugh, my brain is frying. Second year, second house. The second house being ruled by Taurus, or does that not matter? And my second house is Leo, so it's a Leo year. That's okay. So very good question. So it's not about which sign rules the houses in theory. It's literally in your chart. What? So like. 
when we were talking to Antonio, he said, oh yeah, my fourth house is mostly Sagittarius or it's ruled by Sagittarius. So that's, that's where we got the Jupiter time Lord. So your second house is Leo. Yeah. Cause it's 29 degrees Leo for me. Yeah. So that's a sun year. Sun is the time Lord for when you're in a Leo perfection year. My son is in my second house. So there we go. So make that money, honey, oh shining God, in your value. She tries. She tries. Um, okay. <laughs> my actual question, and how funny is this going to be, is about my card of the year. And I was going to ask a question about twos anyways. So isn't that interesting? Um, my card of the year is the two of swords reversed. Um, another gazer of ours also has a two of swords direct for their um, year ahead spread. I'm just kind of thinking on like the reversal and trying to get a better idea of when I think of the two of swords, I kind of think about slow down energy anyways. So when it's reversed, what's the the change of the flow, let's say, or you know what I mean? Like for me, it already means an impasse or chilling out. When we're reversed to it, what are we kind of looking at and thinking of through the year? So I'm going to answer this question by not responding to anything you just said whatsoever, and then maybe I'll get back to it. So the first thing that I was just thinking of when you said that, so I just got to honor this hit, is like with the Two of Swords, we're looking at two stories that are in contradiction with each other, which is where the stillness shows up, right? Like we're needing to meditate so we can get to the root of what those stories are. And generally I say it's like one's the old story for your life and one's the new story for your life. When it's reversed, I think it's understanding the old story of your life in a new way and not necessarily feeling like it's an enemy or having to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but trying to bring it along, trying to coax it to move forwards. So that's the way I would start just to kind of like look at how you're engaging with it. But then to respond to you directly, I'd say maybe you have to hold back a little bit of the meditation and the stillness. Sometimes a card is reversed because it's saying like not too much of this. So it might be like, where am I hiding in stillness when really what I should be doing is taking action? Because that resonates much more like as someone who's been in stillness for a long ass time and finally feeling the movement of forward motion, especially with, with planets direct. I'm like, what is that invitation? And now I'm in a two of pentacles month as of the recent new moon. And so, you know, I'm feeling much more generative than still. And I really want to honor that feeling. And so I was kind of trying to get an idea of what, how the two of swords was playing into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where the tarot and interpreting the tarot is very complex because the two of swords reversed could be like, you're really resistant to meditation and you need to like buckle up and get your meditation practice together. Mm -hmm. But for you, A, because I know you and also just based on the way you were verbalizing it, that's not what this is. This is saying like, don't hide in the stillness, use it as find the stillness in action, find the two of swords in movement, not like hiding in the high priestess's sanctuary. Very useful. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was just going to add, I was I was like trying to remember what exactly is the astrology in the top deck and it's moon and Libra. So to me too, it's about like action through relationship too, like pushing yourself to be connecting again. And I always think, I always love that. I always think of it as that peace of mind card, right? So to me, it's like, all right, how are we how are we keeping ourselves from a peace of mind in some way? And is that um, then, yeah, related to, to that forward movement too, so. Lovely, thank you very much. 
Yeah. Thank you. All right, Nick Corey, do you want to ask us a question? Do you want to share an embarrassing story from from our past? Do you want to talk about your first impressions from the three episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that you watched for the first time on the plane? Um, I want to do all those things. I all those things. <laughs> okay. um, I guess we should start with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Probably, right? That seems like the most important thing. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of questions about I told I told Brandon this last night that I really have a lot of questions about Sutton and I really don't know I feel like Shawnee and Brandon and Angel probably all have very um by Laura um probably have like very strong opinions about Sutton and she reminds me of somebody that we know um and I just want to know more about her. She seems wrong. Like she seems like wrong, just like <laughs> in her life. And so she needs to get it right. But I don't. Now, yeah, to be fair, Nick watched the first three episodes of this most current season where Sutton is behaving very poorly in the way that she responds to hearing about Dorit getting robbed at gunpoint in her own house. So if that's your introduction to Sutton, I understand. Because personally, we stand Sutton. So Shawnee, how would you respond to Nick Corey? I would say that Sutton is not for everyone, but she should be. Like, I think, I think that she, I think she's like, people say this a lot and I normally think it's like bullshit, but I think she's really misunderstood. Like, I think she has like a lot of, anxiety so she doesn't want to do the wrong thing but that makes her do the wrong thing because she's like so in her head about everything and it just leads to like disasters um but for some reason like I think that she has a I think she has a good heart I think she is this is gonna come out wrong but she is from the south so it's a little complicated. There are some like race things that come up a little bit earlier and and those sort of things. But I think at her core, she's a very nice, rich white lady. All right. I have to go to our resident Southerner, Salida, because I, I need Salida to weigh in on Sutton here. I agree with Shani Mims. And I think that sometimes, you know, when the anxiety gets so intense in your head, sometimes it just explodes and to get rid of it, you say, you know, Mm. Uh, and then Mm -hmm. you feel terrible afterwards. I'm not sure that that never feels terrible, but maybe. Do we know what sign Sutton is? Mm, I'll look. September 20th. Oh, poor thing. She's a Virgo. She's a Virgo. So she wants to do everything perfectly and... That is yeah. that is all about like Southern femininity too, right? The cotillion, the whole right. nine, all of the layers and layers of garbage that get put on you. However, being from the South is never an excuse to be racist. We'll just also say that. <laughs> real important. 100%. Real important. I don't yeah. think being from anywhere is an excuse to be I racist. I know, but sometimes people are like, well, you know, the South. And it's like... No, that's not okay. Right. Right. Did you just pull up Sutton's chart, Angel? I did, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I want to continue. All right, Nick. (laughs) Where else where else where else do you want to go, Nick Corey? Best friends since forever. So 
could I have a card pulled around creativity? Page of Pentacles reversed. So the Page of Pentacles is about like the nuts and bolts of physical relationship. So I kind of talk about the Page of Pentacles as like when you move to a new neighborhood and you have to figure out like, where's the grocery store? Like, where's the laundromat? Where do I take the dog for a walk? And so there's something about you in relationship to your creativity. It's like you've moved and you need to engage with your creativity from where you are right now, not from like the way in which you used to engage with your creativity. It's also reversed, which in this case, I think just means like it needs to be like slow and playful. And it's not about like getting it. It's not about productivity. It's really just about like, does this work? No. Okay. Let's try this. Does this work? Like you're kind of shopping for your new container to engage with your creativity through. And I think the more you let your creativity be a laboratory and you just experiment and you kind of like give yourself permission to make a mess of it, the more actually fruitful it will end up being. And Noche is coughing on the truth. So thanks, Noche. Wow. That's really that's really helpful. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Should we, should we tell should we tell them about the charm? Oh shit. Okay, really fast. Um, so I just went to um uh Japan and uh with my dad, which was like a really powerful experience. It was really great. Um, and there are all these, you know, Shinto shrines and Buddhist temples and you know you make offerings and we kind of learned you know the decorum around that and so we got these um you know like you can buy these charms and you kind of keep them with you for a year and then you bring them back to a shinto shrine and then they burn them they like get rid of them but they're supposed to like attract like all the negative things from your life keep and they they're like kept in the charms and then you take them back to the shrine and then there's like a ceremony where they like burn these things so sometimes you'll be at the shrine and they'll they'll like burn all these like you know okay so i see nick last things. night and it's like oh yeah i got you a souvenir and oh i also think i got you a charm and i thought like a charm like like a piece of jewelry because you know like that's something i love but nick was like oh i don't actually know if i did get you a charm and i was like well then just like give me a charm that you got for somebody else because i want a charm so we're in his hotel room later and he finds the charm and i find the charm and i'm like and i'm and i hand it to brandon and then Brandon starts to open it. And then I grab it back and I'm like, oh no, that's my charm. That's my charm. I'm sorry, that's my charm. <laughs> so I grab it back and Brandon was like, this is hilarious. And started cracking up, like, you know, really cracking up. And then Brandon was like, you know, can I at least see the charm? So I open up the packet and I hand it to Brandon. Brandon holds it for like two seconds and he's like, oh, this is not my charm. It, I mean, it was like a palpable power object. I was like, oh shit, like this thing is, this thing is supercharged and it is not for me. And so then Nick told me more about the practice and uh, Chicago saying, oh, Mamori. Chicago, feel free to just join into this conversation because I feel like that means something to Nick. I don't know, Do you know? Oh, Mamori, but it's Tengu is the, is the, um, is the like sprightly kind of creature. He's kind of scary looking. He's not like a great looking uh, guy. He's like a trickster, right? Um, but I got him at this place called the Fisherman's Shrine that was like truly the hardest hike I've ever been on in my life. It was so high, so high. But I got to the top and then you like spot him on a mountain face. He's like kind of carved into a mountain face. And so I got a like a charm there. Huh. If the thing that you're 
referring to a charm in English is if it is a mamori in Japanese, then it's about protection also. Mm. Mm. So maybe they were protecting me from taking your charm away. But Nick did get me some very adorable keychains because I had asked for the cutest keychain he could possibly find. And they're little like stuffed anthropomorphic Mount Fujis, <laughs> and I love them. They are amazing. Um, on that note, thank you for letting me stop by. Chicago, how are you, my love? Welcome to the call-in. I'm smiling. I'll turn my camera on for a moment. I'm smiling. <laughs> contribution in stories. Um, my question is so rudimentary. I'm almost like not asking it, but then because I'm in a room of such experienced astrologists, I feel like maybe it's something to crowdsource and everyone can answer. Um, so I want your full moon and new moon rituals 101. Mm. Okay, so the 101 is figure out the element that corresponds to the sign that the moon is happening in. So like, for example, we just had a new moon in Aquarius. So that's an air moon. We're about to have a full moon in Leo. So that's a fire moon. And then you want to weave the element through the ritual. So obviously like a fire ritual for a Leo, Aries or Sagittarius moon an air ritual, breath work, singing, writing, speaking, um, water rituals, you know, for Scorpio, Cancer, or Pisces, and earth rituals, like burying things in the earth or going out into nature. But I really find like you can channel your own ritual just based on kind of like leaning into the elemental energy. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like there are like, depending on what it is you're going to do, because not every ritual is going to look or feel the same, you know, they may not, like every ritual I do doesn't take place in front of an altar, you know, some take place in a bathtub, some take place on the top of the hill behind our house. So it just kind of depends exactly on that piece of it. For yeah. sure. So I think that's like the good 101 is like an entry point into it, but then also trusting your own intuition that sometimes maybe you are compelled by a different element that isn't corresponding to that sign. And that would be like 201, you know, where you're like, I know it's an Aquarius new moon, but I actually feel like I should be doing this ritual in the bath. And I, and, and so you allow that. The other thing I guess I would say too is Traditionally, full moons are for releasing. So your ritual around a full moon is about what am I letting go of or what am I putting out into the world? Because it's also peak exposure. So full moons are good times to like launch things into the world. Whereas new moons are about like what seeds am I planting? What am I beginning? What am I intending and using the energy of the new moon to kind of empower whatever that beginning is? Does that help? Yes, thank you. One, one thing, can I add one thing? Add two. Yeah, please. Add, okay, great. One of the uh, most useful um, descriptions of ritual that I've heard is just breaks it down into no matter what it's for, that first you want to create the container. And as you said, the container can be anywhere as long as you're being somewhat intentional about it. And then you want to, there's an act of purification. So what, that can be three deep breaths, or it can be something maybe more, it can be something deeper than that, right? You can... It can be something like breath work where you are really trying to 
kind of get things moving. And then there's the act of whatever you're trying to encode in the ritual. Um, and this last uh, new moon in Aquarius, um, I had, uh, I wrote a letter to my future self, and then I asked my future self to write a letter to me. So that's the the act, right? Those are words, right? That's very, uh, and future time travel, also very Aquarian. But the, it, that, it almost, it, you can, it almost doesn't really matter what the act is, as long as you're intentional about the first, about those individual steps, I think. Um, and that that's helpful for me because ritual feels like a very intimidating thing. You know, it feels like, oh, well, I have to have like special sacred robes and like be walking down the halls of knowledge with the great magicians to know how to, but really it's just those three things and your ability to um, animate it with your spirituality is, is just your intention to do so. Love that. That's amazing, Salita. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a lot about intention, right? Too. Yeah. Just like, what is the intention of this? And it's like so important. I mean, a good damn cry can be a full moon ritual, you know, that's all. That's it. hundred percent. Yeah. You just got to let this shit go. A teacher of mine once broke down the differences between ceremony and ritual in a way that was really useful to me. Like the difference between what makes a ritual and what makes a ceremony is that a ceremony is engaging with something that is known for a known consequence. So it's like we know what a marriage ceremony is, right? Like you know what you're going to do and what you're going to get out of it. You know what a funeral is. yeah. But a ritual brings in the element of the unknown, that you are setting an intention and you're using that intention to bring about something that may be surprising and the more you do the ritual the more strength it gathers so i think ritual is actually more accessible than ceremony because you can't fuck it up it's your own like you're you're making it up you're playing with your own intuition and how to kind of channel power to the means that you desire mm -hmm. thank you chicago that was that was great mm -hmm. we should do a whole episode on ritual i think yeah. we did a long time ago yeah, but we should do it again i think we did <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Shirley in the house. Hello, hello. What's up, babes? How you doing? Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. Just hanging out in my car, so I have somewhere with a little peace and quiet from the fam. Um, I dropped by because I I chatted with y'all last week, and on Friday the thirteenth of this month, the new UAP UFO report came out. Uh, hold on, there's a siren going by. <laughs> They're after you. I know. Uh, no. <laughs> and I always thought it would be the aliens that would get you before the Popo did, but who, who knew? Right. No, the aliens are on my side. They're like, girl, we got you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff has come out basically uh, in the past year, there's been 171 new reports of uh, UAPs interacting with uh, pilots of either Navy jets or Air Force jets. And, and will you tell uh, everyone what a UAP is, just for people that are like, what yeah. what is this acronym? Oh, yeah, it's Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. I think they're about to change the term to unidentified anomalous phenomenon just because it's not always aerial it's they've found that it's transmedium and is able to go from like 
space, to our upper atmosphere, to the water, um, and has advanced capabilities that no one on Earth does. Um, but yeah, there's been a drastic increase in sightings and interactions. They've put together an office called AARO, Arrow. Can't remember the the acronym off the top of my head, but they're the investigative team that's working on it. And there's been a lot of um, classified uh, hearings with uh, the House Intelligence Committee. And I think, I think probably over the summertime is when we're gonna be hearing more of the public hearings about the things that they've uncovered and found. Um, my guess is that they're going to, they're waiting to kind of use it as like a political move because all this stuff with like Hunter Biden that the Republicans are trying to do, it's going to end up playing out in the house. And I think the Democrats are probably going to like shove that in at the end of it. So they could be like, look over there. Um, yeah, that's my guess. But yeah, I want to come back on the show and talk more about it after the summertime when more of this comes out i mean i just like sitting here with my popcorn waiting to see what happens yeah same i think we all are such a crazy time to be alive right now and salita just typed into the chat here pluto and aquarius foreshadowing which is something a lot of us in the astrology community have been talking about like yeah pluto moving into aquarius which is the sign of aliens technology space travel things of that nature it feels like these next how many years is pluto and aquarius babe i think it's like 22 the next like 22 years yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's a long time a lot of a lot of cool stuff buckle up babies let's go yeah it's about to be transported um all right well yeah once we have some greater reveals we'll have you on for a part two and if you haven't heard our conversation with taylor um that we had already um i highly recommend you should go back and listen to it yeah and i would love for y'all to pull a card for like this topic for this year i love that okay so here's how we'll here's how we're gonna close this out we'll pull a card about the aliens and then i'm gonna pull a card for antonio about his fourth house perfection here because Antonio asked for that. And then I will pull one last card for everybody as our tarot card for the episode. So I'm going to pull them all at once. So here we go. So just everyone take a moment and connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled, knowing that the first card is for the aliens. And so I hope they're connecting to the sound of the cards, but also our relationship with them and what we're going to learn about life outside this particular planet home. And then a second card for Antonio about the fourth house perfection year. And then a third card for everybody who's listening to this, no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode, it will resonate for you. All right. So, oh, the card I pulled is the ace of swords reversed. So it's a new story, but it's also taking us back to an old story. Like they've been here for a lot longer than we would think. It's not something new. It's actually something quite old that's being revealed to us. An angel will tell you I'm obsessed with 
Ancient Aliens, even though I know that show is pretty much just like a bunch of trash conjecture. But there's some truth in it. There's some truth somewhere in it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if what comes out has us looking backwards in ways that make sense of things. Um, because we do know there's been reports of strange phenomena on the sky for, for hundreds and thousands of years. So Ace of Swords reversed. Very interesting there. Antonio, you got the Four of Pentacles, interesting four. which is very interesting for your fourth house perfection year. And the Four of Pentacles is about a new physical foundation. So this is a building year for you, and it's in your fourth house, which is about home and family and also about the past to some degree. So I would just say using your resources to make sure that what you're seeking is really something that is sustainable and that supports you. Also, the Four of Pentacles wants us to look at where we control our life, because where we control the most is where we trust the least, and Jupiter wants to expand you. And so if you're a little too tight or a little too controlling, Jupiter's not going to be able to water the things it wants to water. So just kind of being aware of that dynamic. That's perfect, because I feel like lately in the past, all my life, I've been trying to control my own stream of life, fighting against the current. And lately, I've just been kind of trying to get out of my head and let the universe kind of show me how to flow with it. That's beautiful. Good for you. And that's so Sagittarius, which is like, go, go with where the, where the energy is showing you to go. All right. And then our card for everybody, our tarot card of the episode. Oh, I feel like this is just me and my energy. The five of cups. This is befriending grief, which y'all probably know is something I'm doing on the regular, but it's about a clearing of the heart. And Salita was talking about how she wishes you didn't have to be cleared in order to be expanded. But I think that is just the nature of reality. Like before you can take that inhale, you have to take that exhale. I also look at the five of cups and the figure, that cloaked figure in the five of cups as the inner healer. Like we each, every one of us have the potential to heal in ourselves, the things that keep us up at night, the things that hurt, but we have to be willing to look at them. And that is what the figure in the card is doing, looking at those three spilt cups. So I would just say, whatever you're moving through right now, give yourself permission to feel disappointed, to feel sad. You don't have to like slap a smiley face sticker on it. The healing comes through the willingness to admit what hurts. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual gaze.